So what was awesome is you walk through the door, and for me at least, it felt like my living room because it was full of beautiful mid-century furniture. You know, everyone in there was pleasant and happy, and there was great music playing. Erica Heald is describing the first time she checked out this cool new place in her neighborhood. She uses words like awesome, beautiful, and happy. It was just such a great atmosphere versus your typical doctor's office. Sounds more like a cafe or spa, not a doctor's office. Which would have terrible, worn-out vinyl chairs and, you know, some horrible daytime television playing on a TV. It was just a much more pleasant experience. And my appointment even started on time, which never, ever happened at the HMO. Right. Because this isn't your usual health maintenance organization. This is One Medical. Welcome to Repeat Customer, an original podcast from Zendesk about great customer experiences, how companies create them, and why their superfans love them so much. I'm Mio Edelman, and Zendesk is a customer service and engagement platform. And today, we're looking at the changing face of primary healthcare through a new type of customer experience for patients at One Medical. One Medical is a modernized healthcare experience designed to serve the needs of consumers. We combine digital health and video visits and lovely inviting offices, which are convenient to where you work, shop, live. As a patient, have you ever even considered yourself a consumer deserving of a good healthcare experience? Uh, if I could diagnose the existing healthcare system, it's bloating, it's anxiety, it's depression, it's constipation, <laughs> it's uh, broken bones, it's acute, but it's also systemic behavioral problems. Amir Rubin is the CEO and president of One Medical. And the patient we're treating today is the American healthcare system, specifically primary healthcare, the day to day management of your health, usually by a family physician or general practitioner who handles initial diagnoses and manages chronic conditions. But the diagnosis for traditional primary healthcare itself doesn't look so good. Consumers are frustrated with their experience. Um, it's a maze navigating the healthcare system. How do I get an appointment? How do I get access? Where do I go? Which number do I call? It's on average three to four weeks to get an appointment with the primary care physician in the United States. And the cost of care is going up each year. So not only consumers and employers and, and people who pay for healthcare are frustrated, but if you actually look at the, the people delivering the care, providers are burning out. That's a lot of pain points in the system that's supposed to cure your pains. And many of us, patients and doctors, have just sort of become resigned to this reality. But then there's this guy. My name's Tom Lee. I'm founder of One Medical. Tom Lee comes from a family full of doctors based in the Pacific Northwest. But I was also interested in the arts, and so I was like, do I go into medicine or maybe consider graphic design? But um, to me, it was harder to make a living in graphic design, so I ended up going into medicine a little bit through a plan B option, but um, it ended up being kind of a, a great passion of mine. It's not a bad plan B option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what, what was it specifically about patient care that you really liked? Well, you know, for me, you know, maybe it's just kind of my nature, but I'd like kind of caring for people in general and um, giving people a, a pretty thoughtful experience. I'm guessing most people go into medicine to help others. It's noble and idealistic. 
you know, you take the Hippocratic Oath, go forth and heal. Which is what Tom did while training at the University of Washington and during his residency with a specialty in primary care at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Over time, though, something got in the way of that. It was pretty apparent that no matter what setting I was in, the system of care was this imaginary force that was preventing me from doing what I thought was better for the patient, better for the system, um, and nobody could explain why it was doing what it was doing. When you're trying to invest in primary care relationships and getting to know people, seeing people in five to 15-minute bursts uh, on a very sporadic, reactive basis seemed uh, antithetical to what longitudinal patient care should be. So there was something imaginary that I wasn't sure about that was creating this force. And, you know, I later found out it was really the economics of healthcare. I'm not an economist and definitely not a doctor. So I found a guy to explain the economics of healthcare. His name is Tom Charland. He's the CEO of Merchant Medicine, a company that helps medical organizations become more consumer focused. Primary care is the magnet for patients to come in when something is wrong, or even just for you know, your annual wellness physical. But um, the way primary care is paid for is through those office visits. And in most cases, primary care is not a profitable specialty. It's considered the generator of downstream revenue to all of the specialists. And in that is uh, a part of this perverse system we have because primary care doctors don't have time to really sort out what's going on with a patient. Under the current system, in order to be profitable, primary care has to be high volume, which is why they have so little time for you and why you often get referred to a specialist, many times unnecessarily, which costs the system even more money. It's also why they'll usually only examine you for one condition or issue at a time. We create incentives for more and more activity. And so that means a lot of unnecessary care. Every activity has a code, and that code corresponds to what you're going to get paid. An insurance code. Which basically means, what was the complexity? How much did you do? For example, if you want a prescription renewal, you would have to call the doctor and say, my prescription's about to run out. And they'd say, okay, you need to come in for an appointment just to renew your prescription. The pricing mechanism of insurance really does determine um, a number of things that would, in any, any other industry, just be a no-brainer. You'd provide the service to the customer with a smile on your face. So you get less time with the doctor, and the doctor's really overworked. Like, it's bad for their health overworked. On an average day, how many patients do you think you would see? Typically, I would say between anywhere between 30 to 45 patients. I mean, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. It feels like... They're just a number. Dr. Navia Mysore is a primary care physician working in Manhattan. She's talking about life at her last job. You're feeling burnt out because of the quantity. You got paperwork and you've got labs and all of which where you're not left feeling satisfied that you were able to deliver the quality of care that you wanted to. This sounds just like one medical founder, Tom Lee's experience. If you're truly an empathetic designer and you said, well, geez, if I've got a person who's newly diagnosed with cancer or some tremendous illness, what would I design for them? You just refer to yourself as a designer. You're, I, I don't think I've ever heard a doctor refer to themselves as a designer. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I think that crossover is not as common because they're very different kind of uh, 
disciplines. Um, but yeah, I, I, I viewed myself as somebody who, you know, if you think about going to a restaurant or any other service design experience, there is kind of a design experience that matters. Comparing the customer experience of dining at a restaurant to a doctor's appointment is honestly mind-blowing to me. So is the notion of applying design principles to the patient's experience. If you really care about the individual as a patient and you really want to be the best doctor, you do care about the experience. As amazing a notion as this is, at the time, let's say early to mid-90s, Tom Lee was a young doctor just getting into medicine. It's not like the massive American healthcare system was asking for his input. So that catalyzed, you know, basically a roll of the dice. A buddy of mine said, hey, you know, you're as smart as some of the CEOs I work with. Why don't you just go to business school? And, you know, I was pretty naive. I was an academic clinician, you know, pretty heavily steeped in a research-oriented institution with no understanding of economics or technology. In just a moment, a primary care physician with the heart of a designer rolls the dice on getting an MBA so he can basically take on the healthcare system. But first, if you're as obsessed about great customer experience as I am, new episodes of Repeat Customer post every two weeks. In between episodes, you can learn more at Zendesk.com slash repeat customer. Or you can post a review to let us know what you think of this podcast experience. And if you're a CX professional looking to elevate your company's customer service game, check out Zendesk.com because the best customer experiences are built on Zendesk. Tom Lee became a doctor to help patients, but he found the system was blocking him from giving them a pleasant customer experience. So he decided to do something about it. I, I had a design vision for what a modern doctor's office might look like, and I knew it had to be in primary care because we were underinvesting as a system in primary care. So not only would it be a better patient experience, but it would also reduce uh, total cost of care and, and really provide a better experience for the healthcare system. Fortunately, I was lucky enough to get in at Stanford. You know, I knew that was the place that I needed to go to develop an entrepreneurial tech-oriented backbone. Technology was key to Dr. Lee's plan. I didn't know exactly how it was going to work. He'd gotten a taste of it during his resident days at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. I could see the potential of how tech would transform information flows, which is what the vast majority of medicine is, and also how people work together as teams. But keep in mind, this was the late 90s. Looking back, it's easy to kind of forget, but, you know, Yahoo was just a new website. Barely anybody had email uh, and uh, bandwidth was, you know, modem. So, uh, so yeah, in hindsight, that does look a little bit odd. But, yeah, I knew that, you know, a lot of the repetitive stuff that was going on could be automated and simplified. So Tom started by creating a company called Hippocrates. It was and still is a mobile medical reference app for doctors. They use it to check dosing instructions, diagnoses, medical news, stuff like that. This dates us. I mean, it was in the era of the Palm Pilot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we got, I mean, but we were proof that before then, everybody was saying doctors don't adopt technology. They're just risk averse. And I'm like, no, if you, if you design something valuable for a physician, they'll adopt the product. Tom had used technology to optimize part of the healthcare experience. Making doctors' jobs a bit easier was also good for the patient. But it was a relatively small step compared to his next challenge. Remember, the goal was totally reimagining a broken system by creating a customer experience where one hadn't really existed before. The thesis of One Medical is 
was, you know, you got to start from scratch. You got to build something clean slate because you don't have all this legacy stuff and allow something new to grow. And so literally almost every aspect of our business operations was re-examined with a customer orientation and or an operational labor efficiency orientation so that we could build a higher touch experience at lower cost. In addition to a bunch of tech applications, which we'll get into more in a couple of minutes, Tom was also focused on design and operational optimization to improve the overall customer experience. Let's start with the physical design. As Erica Heal described at the beginning of the show, the waiting rooms and exam rooms are comfortable, almost like living spaces. It was an important feature that was frankly, you know, under-recognized by most clinicians, right? Most clinical offices just don't have that aesthetic that, you know, you're shocked that this is deliberate, right? So all these really expensive, ugly linoleum cabinets that are in every single exam room, like, why do they exist? They're always empty. And so we got rid of all that stuff. So it was, it was important from day one, obviously, because we felt like the environment that in which you greeted the patient was also an important signal to, on whether they could trust, be open, and feel like you were running a clean operation. And when Tom says greet at the patient, he actually means the doctor, not a nurse or assistant, comes into the waiting lounge to get you. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Very good, thank you for seeing me on such short notice. Yeah, of course, it's nice to meet you. So we are walking down the hallway down to my office. Um, generally. So why not do that? Sure, it costs an extra 30 seconds of the doctor's time, but it was better for the patient, better for the doctor. The doctor wants to catch up and, and see how things have been going, and you don't need to pay for somebody to uh, bring the person back to the exam room. This leads us to operational cost savings. When you go to an average doctor's office, even still today, there's a person that checks you in. You know, you're writing out a paper-based form for the, maybe the second or third time, and somebody else might weigh you, and then somebody else might come and do a pre-interview, and then you finally see the doctor for five minutes, and then you go and see somebody else at the checkout process. And so when I started to think about the math of that, it just seemed like a lot of people to just really bring the patient back to the exam room. It was shockingly simple, <laughs> you know. We built a website where you could register online. You would book a same-day appointment, and we'd have more time than an average doctor. And in those days, I did everything. One Medical launched in 2005 with one clinic in San Francisco. So then I'd, I'd do the blood draw, and I'd follow up. And it was true, you know, one-on-one personalized care. I knew some of these systems would scale up differently. But I knew from my patients' responses, they were very happy with the model. It was gratifying to see that, and then also gratifying to see that you can make the economics work, contrary to what everybody had told me about starting a new healthcare model that was solo at the time in a downtown, high real estate kind of rental market. How many patients do you see on average now? I would say typical on a typical day, uh, 16 to 18 patients. I've come to One Medical's Tribeca Clinic in Manhattan for an appointment with Dr. Mysore, that doctor who used to see 30 to 45 patients a day. Definitely significant amount of time that um, is really allowing us to, to spend more time together. You know, 40 minutes, 45 minutes in the office now uh, with the patient, uh, specifically depending on what they're coming in for. More time with a doctor is a key part of this new customer experience because it has health benefits. Current One Medical CEO Amir Rubin says it makes the time to create a holistic health plan. It's giving them time 
to dig in deeper. Sometimes we'll be in the middle of an appointment and it won't be till midway or even towards the end of it. Uh, we sometimes laugh and we call them door handle questions, right? You've been there the whole time, but the patient's got their hand on the door handle. They're like, well, I got one more thing. And that was the thing. But you don't just get more time with a doctor by having them greet you in the waiting room. The real reason why this works is because in addition to billing your insurance for actual medical procedures, One Medical charges you an annual subscription fee, $200 a year. Remember Tom Sharland, the guy who explained the economics of healthcare to me at the beginning of this? He said it was an insurance-driven fee-for-service model that was the key limiter to a good patient-customer experience. In the new model, One Medical, you're paying a membership fee. And part of that membership fee essentially covers these little tiny nitty-gritty things that you need to get done. If you just have a question for a doctor, you can email them. And they, through that membership fee, they consider themselves to have already been paid for that activity. And it's no problem. All of a sudden, they're really just practicing medicine. They're really just caring for patients as opposed to literally at the same time having to worry about the economics. And this is what really frees up the doctor's schedule. And the added time they spend with patients means less visits to expensive specialists. And it's called referral management. So we're going to start to see these new medical groups emerge where the employers are willing to pay the membership fee on behalf of the patient in order to get better primary care, in order to cut off the downstream revenue to specialists. But it isn't just what happens during clinic hours that's covered by your membership fee. The other nice thing about our model is we recognize that the encounter doesn't have to start and end in the office visit. So we can greet the member on their terms. Virtual medicine, just accessing the technology platform, it's a whole new mindset that you're a member and included in that membership is this platform. And that brings us back to the technology piece. That key thing founder Tom Lee envisioned would be the real game changer in a new healthcare customer experience. Here's a quick story to illustrate what that experience can look like. Erica Heald, the patient we heard from at the very beginning, the one who likes One Medical's beautiful waiting rooms, well, she's kind of danger prone. For example, there was <laughs> there was one time when we were um, going to go to the Outside Lands Music Festival, and I, we were on our way like out the door, and I slipped on something in the bathroom and put my hand out, and I jammed my finger <laughs> really, really hard, and it got all swollen and horrible. But the Outside Lands Festival is a three-day party. They're very expensive tickets. And I was just beside myself about what was I going to do. I didn't want to take out time to go and make an appointment or go sit in the ER. That would have taken most of a whole day. So Erica did both at the same time. She went to the doctor and the festival together. You know, I, I was... T- took the call from them at literally like at the bus stop by the festival, um, a live video call with a doctor and, you know, took a look at it, went through all the diagnostics and determined that I just needed to ice it and that it would be okay. And that if it, you know, got worse by the next day, then I could come in. And so it basically saved me from ruining and missing out on my festival. I think generally One Medical has really picked up on this desire to have medical care, primary medical care, look a little bit more like other things that we're able to do on our own terms, book a ride, get a table at a restaurant, book airfare, um, ask questions of experts. 
Kim McPherson researches and teaches health management and innovation at UC Berkeley. One medical um, from a member uh, perspective utilizes an app. I can email in a secure way back and forth with my primary care provider or the care team. So if I want to alert that provider to something or ask a question, I don't need to make an appointment. I don't need to make a phone call. They can also use that channel to send me referrals. I can order uh, medication refills or check on refills, be alerted that test results are available or a prescription is available. I can also schedule appointments very seamlessly that way. And based on who I want to see and the type of need that I have, the app leads me pretty carefully and seamlessly through almost a triaging mechanism. The app also sends post-consultation follow-ups and reminders for recurring exams, all great for patients. And for doctors, new tech advances can relieve even more of the workload. We're starting to use interesting machine learning type approaches. For example, I might message my provider. Well, my provider's in clinic all day. Well, this machine learning looks at my message and says, hey, Amir has a question about a referral or an authorization or a routine prescription renewal. It can then take that message out of my provider's queue. And we've set up teams of staff, whether it's uh, registered nurses or nurse practitioners or our virtual physicians who can answer those questions because I don't need to wait for my provider at the end of the day to do this. So we'll often get responses in minutes. The AI sends requests and assigns jobs to a decentralized unit, so care is available 24 hours a day. And it's seamless, which points to what primary care might look like in the future. It's a tired analogy, but this idea of ATM, you know, I have a bank affiliation, but I can use ATMs around the world and they know who I am. They know how much money I have and I can I can kind of engage with them as I wish. I think that we'll need to get to that place in healthcare to meet the needs. What Kim McPherson at UC Berkeley means is that even the old patient primary care physician relationship might be changing. There's a question of will the construct of a primary care assignment be relevant um, that far out? Or will you be knitting together these different tech interactions so that there is a coherent, seamless record of what you're doing so that anybody that needs to engage with you can? And that's why the experience every time matters. You don't actually want to rely on, if I see Dr. Bob, I have a great experience. If I see Dr. Joe, it's less so. That's why you need that standard, consistent, wonderful um, engagement experience every time and places like One Medical can really use their technology and kind of the uniformity of the high level of experience that they put out there to kind of create that bond so that you don't want to go anywhere else. And more and more people are choosing to do just that. One Medical now has over 60 locations in nine major cities. They aren't the only company offering what you could call an omni-channel healthcare customer experience. There's a growing number of clinics using tech, There's also retail clinics in places like CVS that offer street-level access to doctors, and urgent care clinics are starting to emphasize primary care, which is great for us. But One Medical was one of the first to reject the status quo and really identify the need for a totally new customer experience for patients, to apply design principles, both physical and technological, and to map the patient's journey. Just as they try to give patients a holistic level of healthcare, they're looking at the healthcare system holistically. Remember, the healthcare system in many ways is the real patient here. We have demonstrated we could take out 10% of the U.S. healthcare spending with our model because we're avoiding emergency visits. We're not sending unnecessary referrals. We can start nudging people to manage chronic diseases or prevent those conditions from uh, developing into full-blown 
uh, diseases. Most of the companies we look at on repeat customer have in some way disrupted their respective industries with a customer-focused approach. You could call one medical a startup, but they still operate completely within a rigid traditional industry. And some of those limits are necessary for regulatory reasons. I mean, these are people's lives we're talking about. So this disrupting from within is almost more impressive. In the next episode, we're going to talk about a legacy company that went outside their traditional industry of theme parks to provide their fans with a new customer experience on the high seas. I'm talking about Disney Cruises. Until then, thanks for listening.